We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another exciting, spacey, warpy episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm depressed. <laughs> ben. Depressed Ben. And tonight we are looking at the Space 1999 episode, Space Warp. Space, Space Warp. Warp. 1,807 days after the moon left Earth, John Koenig and Tony Verdeshi are heading in an eagle to explore a derelict spacecraft. As Koenig contacts Alpha, something bizarre happens. The moon is caught in the titular space warp and flung five light years away. Koenig and Tony are unable to reach Alpha, even if they knew where it was, and Alpha is far out of range to even contact them by radio. First, they crisscross space and near where the moon disappeared, hoping to stumble upon the space warp, if it's even still there. But with no luck, they decide to investigate the derelict spacecraft. Koenig and Verdeshi poke around the derelict. They find the captain's log, and he explains that they were also caught in the space warp and were damaged and hurled 12 parsecs from their mothership. Most of the crew were killed. They developed a navigational aid that, if they'd had more time, could have found the space warp for them. The boys find the device, connect it and the derelict ship to their eagle, and with it, find the space warp. They experience a montage of events from this episode, filling a bit more time in this short-on-plot episode. And when it's over, they find Alpha. Everyone is home and happy again. The end! Oh, wait, sorry. I forgot to mention the B-plot. Meanwhile, on Alpha, Maya's got a bit of a fever, and Dr. Russell, as always, is clueless as to what to do. Maya is afraid and wants Tony, but he's buggered off with Koenig. The moon is caught in the titular space warp and flung five light years away. There is much damage to Alpha, and the power is out in most of their systems, leading to the corridors being very spooky and moody. As Maya's fever gets worse, her delirium gets worse too. You might have thought wanting Tony to be at her side was the height of her delirium, but you would be wrong. She gets it into her addled brain that she needs to get to Psychon, her destroyed homeworld, to rescue her father, who, like Psychon, was blown into itty bitty bits. To do that, she transforms into one bizarre creature after another, trying first to steal an eagle, leading to mass destruction of the landing hangars, and then transforming into a creature that can survive in the vacuum of space and escaping onto the surface of the moon, where, when her transformation timer clock runs out, she'll die as soon as she changes back. Alan uh, saves the day, and Maya's fever breaks, just as full power is restored to Alpha and Kona and Verdeshi pop out of space warp. Everyone is home and happy again. The end. So space warp. Um, one of the one of the more sciency episodes where they're talking about deep deep space 
spatial concepts like space warps and things um, must be must be one of the best of one of the best of the episodes. Uh, what, what are your initial takeaways from this episode, uh, Ben? Why is it always nighttime on the moon? Yeah, it's funny you should mention that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is always kind of dark on the moon, isn't it? Yeah, know. as is this plot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, the dark, the dark. I remember when they go through the space warp and Alan is talking about how their power is out and they're low in power and everything. And, and basically that has nothing to do with the rest of the story, except right at the end when suddenly it's all over and then suddenly the lights raise up to normal level again. He goes, oh, well, there's the power back on. And I realized that the whole thing was just to keep the corridors darker to create atmosphere. Mmm, clever. I would have never thought of doing and, something And maybe, like that. maybe disguise some of the creatures so that they don't look quite as... Um, Keep the costumes from looking too obvious. E yeah, yeah. They um yeah. Okay, um, two plots, no, no, uh, over, you know, it's funny, we, we've seen several episodes in the past where we've been able to identify, you know, this cast member and that cast member are off doing some other story, mm -hmm. and then these other cast members are doing another story, and then you see those in alternating episodes. This is the first time I recall ever seeing that in the same episode. It is almost yeah. as if they no, shot actually, them you're right. separately. I mean, yeah, the fact that they were able to keep, I mean, yeah, you have your A, your a plot and your B plot, but the fact that we were seeing what was happening on both was is unusual, because... Yeah, usually they'll, they'll you might get just little glimmers, a little scene here and there, you know, that that lasts like maybe only just a few seconds of what, you know, our 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 other people are doing and then that's it. You never see from them, you know, the rest of the time. And it's all about our main characters for this particular story. So this was rather unusual that we got to see um, them kind of uh, track with each other, I suppose. They're almost they're almost even in length, I think. Almost. Almost, yes. I didn't time it, but... They're very close. It felt like it. Yeah. It felt like it. So um, let's talk about the low action story. That's uh, Tony and John flying around in the Eagle. And I admit, a lot of what they were doing was nothing. I mean, all right, let's fly around. Okay, past number 37, past. That's the same with it, it, it really did feel like filler, yeah, which is kind did. of funny because if you were to if you were to ask somebody what this episode was about, what was it about? Well, what, what would be the log line that what would be the TV guide entry that you'd put in there? Would well, it, it would have been about Maya losing control, right? That's exactly right. This is the story where Maya loses control and rampages on the moon, mm -hmm. which has got nothing to do with a space warp. And to be honest, that actually is how it appeared in TV Guide. That's what I remembered reading before seeing this episode. In fact, I, I'll just go ahead and say that. I mean, I had this great vision that she was just like, you know, shifting and, 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 and changing shape, like just, you know, boom, 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 boom. Well, and what a budget. Because that's what, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what I was uh, seeing in my head when I read the synopsis in TV Guide. And then, of course, when I saw the episode, I'm like, oh. Okay, so she only changed into three things. Four. Four. Then she turned into she turned into something, uh, and I can't remember what it was. Is it was a kind of a big thing, and then it changed into the greeny, scaly one that that blew up the eagle. I thought it was the same thing. Oh, I thought there was one more before no, that. No, no, I no, it's the same thing. It's that same big lumbering thing with the scaly face and and that long dreadlocks. 
And then she changed into... And then she changed into what's supposed to be Mentor. Yes, yes. That's supposed to be Brian Blessed, but it not. obviously is not no. Brian Blessed. But it's it's not a bad... I mean, you don't see it very much. It's not a bad likeness of him. Right. Um, and then she turns into that last thing we see that gets, you know, it, that gets blown out the airlock. Yeah. I thought there was one more in there. Well, guess that was wishful thinking. That, yeah. So my question is, when Maya transformed back from the... So... See, see how fast any we just get right off on that thing. Let's go back to that that whole log line thing. When I recall, <laughs> what mm-hmm. I recall of this episode in the TV guide was again, I had been banished from watching most of Space 1999 series two because of an unfortunate incident with a report card, and uh, <clears throat> only only time that ever happened. Let me tell you, <laughs> only time you that had ever no happened. idea your father was actually sparing you. Oh, you. Well, I didn't realize that, but I know, but I really wanted to see Space 1999, season two. Uh, but I had seen the first one or two something, so I had an idea about Maya and the transformations and all that stuff. And I remember thinking, oh, it would be such a cool idea if she, like, lost control of it. She was, like, just transforming into things. So when I saw that in the TV guide, I was like, yeah, it's my idea. Oh, yes, this is going to be awesome. And, uh, yeah. I guess, and then I didn't get to see it because I was on, I was grounded. So I just always dreamed there until I finally got around to seeing Space 1999 Series 2 that that was going to be so awesome that they had translated my vision uh-huh. psychically. And, and um, I hope my vision was better than that. Honestly. Oh, so was mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so hang on. Uh, Verdeshi and, and Koenig, let's say. Verdeshi and Tony? Verdeshi and Koenig. Koenig. Oh. Koenig. Coney, yeah, Coney, Tony. I, would, I may have mumbled that one a little bit, but um, I, I'm gonna, I'll jump right to the end, and I'm gonna have a mad props. They brought the derelict back to Alpha. Thank you. I was actually thinking, oh, you guys are gonna leave it there? You're idiots. And then, then I hear him say, you know, to the the refiller, you know, tow it. And I went. Oh, finally, somebody's doing something smart. Finally, they're going to bring some of this cool alien technology back to the moon. I mean, they might find Especially parts, since they might find minerals, they might find, you know, who knows what's on these ships. They got they tons might of find, room. Yeah, they might find that mineral that can actually power a mechanical heart. Yeah, pituitarium or something. I can't remember what it was now, but uh, yeah, I, I, this is just boggles my mind that every time they encounter this alien technology, it's not like they have no place to put it. They've got a planetoid-sized parking lot <laughs> out there, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, just smash it in on the far side and we'll be good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we might go over there, do a little bit of experimenting, hope we don't find the, like, the space tentacle octopus creature on it, and, and we'll be in good shape. So, yeah, they brought it back. It's just weird that the writer actually... But, so, he's like, were they going to do it in the first place? Hmm. Were they, were they going to go out to the derelict and bring it back? Or were they just going out to the derelict to explore it and then, you know, come back? Well, but because I think they needed gonna... it to get through the space warp, that Coney well, got an emotional attachment to it or something. My, I'm just going to hazard a guess and say that, you know, they'll, they'll investigate it. And if they saw something worthwhile, then they would bring it back. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, if there's nothing worthwhile, then they'd probably leave it. I mean, if it's, they go on board and say, <laughs> Wow, they scuttle the ship. Eh, nothing worth nothing here. Bye bye. You know, I'm even I'm even thinking that based on the moon, even the metal in the hulls on the spaceship has gotta have more value to them than moon rock. Oh, I agree. So it just it just seems like wow, you know, it's always a waste every time they pass something up like that and they don't bring it back and just dump it somewhere in a in a parking lot on the on the base. Um very convenient that the alien spoke English. Yeah, but then don't they all? It is the universal language. 
apparently. I, I don't, you know, I know. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't pick on that <laughs> one. It's just, I don't know, for some reason, this one, it bothers me more. Because we could make up all sorts of things like aliens have universal translators and stuff. But this isn't, this is a recording yeah. for his own people. And is it the computer? Is it translating it for, I, I don't know. But um, is the space warp fixed between point A and point B? Well, the episode seemed to indicate that it was. I mean, they had to find that precise point in space in order to be able to enter it. Now, wh- now whether the exit point is fixed or not, that's a different story, but the entrance appeared to be. Okay. And they got transported here, the aliens. Is that is that correct? They were near their mothership, and they got sucked into the space warp. And so it's two ways. Okay, so if Koenig could have turned around and gone right back in when he got to the other end, if he was stupid, we, we, we think maybe. Okay, then that's fine. The alien says that they got transported 12 parsecs from their mothership. Ooh, I missed that part. And of course, then we come back to, well, a light year is also not a fixed, never mind. Not a fixed distance. <laughs> I was going to say a light year is a fixed distance, but it's it's not because a year isn't a fixed distance. That's related to our solar system, as is a parsec. So, <laughs> but that would imply that, assuming that they mean parsec in the three point whatever it is light years, yeah, that it's a different took them to a different place. So, would it take an alpha? Would these guys, if they had found the opening, would they have ended up where alpha went to, or would they have ended up where they came from? I don't know. I don't think they gave that any thought when they were making this episode up. I'm just like so many others. <laughs> well, well, it's you know somebody has to think about these things. Even if it's 30 years, 40 years, 40 years later. Well, they sure as hell weren't thinking about it back then, were they? Mm, apparently not. Apparently not. Um, so, yeah, there was uh, not a whole lot going on in that part of the episode. I, I will say that we, we do know that the Eagle only has fuel for a, less than a million miles. Mm-hmm. Which is, I know, it's a fairly long distance. It's a fairly long distance, which, of course, makes me wonder, why is it that Alan ordered... I mean, at that point, I don't know if they'd actually considered the idea of uh, the, the eagle with Koenig. I mean, I wasn't getting that. Yeah, that the eagle that you know, Koenig and Tony were on about it coming through the space warp. I kind of got the feeling that they thought it's going to try and make the long trip back the hard way. That's kind. That's that's what I was reading into that. So then, why the hell are you going to be sending out refueling eagles? Yeah. I, well, I. Uh... I didn't get that. I just assumed that Alan was hoping that they'd find the hole. That, that was my interpretation. Cause Finding I think, a hole like a big giant plot hole? Well, yeah, the space warp, the, the oh. hole in space. Because that's where he sent the that's where he sent the refueling eagle to. Mm, true. Hang out where we came, where we ended up our journey. So you would imply that he thinks the eagle would come out there too. Which as it happened, it, it did. And by the way, the moon's about 240,000 uh, miles from the Earth. Okay. So if an eagle can travel about a million miles... Of course, we assume that. And so, hey, four trips, have mm. one, you know, two round trips. The eagle can handle from the Earth to the Moon without refueling. That's not bad. That that's that seems like that seems a reasonable design spec for. I mean, that's the first time there's ever been a number we've been given on on 
alpha that kind of makes sense in the context of an eagle flies from Earth to the moon. Yeah. It's like, all right, you know, you got enough to go there, you got enough to come back, and you got plenty extra in case in the moon gets further away or something. So, yeah, that's good. Um, however, they did travel five light years, which is, and I'm, I'm just going to approximate this, uh, 29,392,499,017,000 50.07 miles so they Good would not you. have made it no they would definitely not have made it in case anyone was thinking a million miles five light years may, might be the same it's not it's no it's very not much the same um okay i don't know if there's anything else in that story god no literally there's nothing in the tony koenig story um so let's go back to Moonbase alpha where <clears throat> maya has a fever and helena doesn't know what to do gee not Except even stand there ice. with her botoxed face whoops oh god i'm sorry did i go back there again you did you did Ooh, darn you did. i don't think we've missed one yet but uh, but i think we've come close to missing an episode yet where that didn't get mentioned hmm. uh, but I, I don't think we've missed one yet um perhaps our listeners are keeping track <laughs> Um, yep, uh, Botex, mark that one down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're yeah they're they're uh you know twenty for twenty or however many episodes we're in now. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, you're right. She did only transform into three creatures. Oh, I actually wrote it down. How, ah, how very sad. Good. Of, well, I wrote what she wanted. So the shaggy swamp mummy. That's the first one. Right. right Paul. And uh, and then I think it's the guard alien again, a variation of it, isn't it? It From is. a matter of balance. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's the, the alien and we've, and and that, that And now we also saw that one. Oh, golly gee. Uh, it's the one where everybody got sick except for Maya and you know, Tony, I, and they had to fight that a they had to fight that robot. It, you know, it, they just took the hair out. It could be. It's certainly it's, probably it, it's the, the same, same face. Frame. Yeah, it's probably the same same basic. You'd think they'd want to have all those in case they have a fight. You think? Uh, I like that Um, there are some things that happen in this episode. One, she transforms into a, a swampy monster, and works her way to the eagles why is that an intelligent creature well she was delirious i mean yeah we can we can pass everything off as well you know she's out of her head so anything she does doesn't have to be rational i i think that's kind of where they're going with this because we've seen her you know transform into you know a variety of alien type creatures but in each case that she's done this in the past she's had full knowledge you know fully aware of what she's doing and 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 what her actions are uh here i i think it's just a case of yeah what was she she hearing she wants to go back to psycon so everything was about you know just you know the delirium of wanting to make an escape okay but she has a plan delirium induced perhaps though it is she has a plan and that plan is get to an eagle and fly to Sycan, okay? So right. she picks Harry Swamp Mummy or Swampy Swamp Mummy or whatever, whatever I put his down is. Dumpy Swamp Mummy, Shaggy Swamp Mummy, that's it. Uh, she picks that as the creature to get an eagle and fly it. I don't know if she chooses, it just happens. Maybe, maybe, but later on, she picks a creature that can survive on the outside, and then her attempt is to burst out of the, the moon base. I'm going to say that was just blind luck. Oh, yeah, which is like really and I and I, I have felt that ever since I first saw this episode that struck me as just dumb luck, hmm. which means that it's just it was, you know, a billion to one that she would actually turn into a creature that could survive on the moon. Hmm. 
I guess I would have given her more credit for that. I mean, she's not. I didn't. Unintelligent. No, um, she's not. But she's completely out of her skull. And I don't think she. I don't think she had any concept of what she was doing when she was transforming. I mean, she was thinking about mentor when she turned into faux mentor. Admittedly, um, that one. Pardon me there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Voice just went wee. Right. Uh, <laughs> I might have been yawning. I'm not sure which. It's, it's one of the two. Uh, the, that the episode will one. do this to you. It. I so want to like this episode, Ben. I want to like this episode. Damn it. I wanted to as well when I first saw it, and it just wasn't happening. I wanted to. It's not fair. Space 1999 is letting me down. Yeah. 40 years later, it's still letting me uh-huh. down. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the gift that keeps on taking. <laughs> Space 1999, the gift that keeps on taking. Yes. I, um, I, uh, I think that's Fusion Patrol t-shirts right there. <laughs> Yeah, I just created something right there. Yeah, you, I got to patent that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, it says 40 years of taking on one side, and, and uh, it's my naked Montague on the other. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We need to make those shirts. <laughs> oh, I'll get that on Kickstarter right away. <laughs> okay. Um, she turns into Saigon. Uh, she turns into Mentor. Turns in, she turns into a planet. She turns into a planet. Why not? She do this. Why okay. the hell not? I mean, she can turn to anything else. There are so there are a couple things in this one that at least have sort of uh, I don't want to say drama, <laughs> plot twists. Let's try. It. You know, there's nothing going really? on. Really, plot twists. That's going a stretch. Tonig, 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 Tonig. Now, Ooh, now, now we're shipping the whole Tonig, Tony thing. Cute. Um, it's, it, it's no, Tony Tonig. We are, we are totally not doing that. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's not happening. Um, nothing's really happening out there, right? That is just, that is just marking off points. Check this, check that, do the other, fly back and forth, do whatever you think. And yes, that's kind of what's happening here with the alien creature. So one, uh, she gets to the eagle. They've um, tranked the heck out of her, as I recall, didn't they? They were trying to they were trying to knock her out, and she was sort of sort of beginning to fall asleep in the cockpit of the eagle. Remember? Hmm. Not making that up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm not making that one up. Um, but then something happens and it wakes her up again and it, it doesn't, she doesn't pass out effectively, but it, you know, it didn't look like it was working. Then it started to look like it was working. Then it didn't start working. She, and they use that opportunity to lower the Eagle back down into the hangar bay. Why would you think that's a good idea? Because I thought she would be rational and not delirious and try and take off take inside. Off while in the bay. Well, in the and wrecked up quite a few of the Eagle stuff there. It looked like. To me, that looked like some serious damage. Well, that's about six episodes worth. Yeah, yeah, and you know, underground and in the important part where your your craft are. Yeah, so not good there. Um, and then she's hurt, maybe dying. Maybe we, don't know. we have we don't know her physiology. Who 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 knows? Well, we have physiology, but there is one thing I do know. Helen is gonna open her up and operate. Oh, let's do one better. And you know, this kind of goes back to some of the things that we've talked about in the past. You know, about what happens when. She she actually transforms. I mean, does is she actually, is it just on the exterior? Is it inside? Well, this episode would clearly point out that it's got to be on the inside because they took out some of the blood. Did they? Yes. Yeah, I guess they did. He said they couldn't uh, make any sense of it at all. That's right. They took out some of her blood. So then, of course, I'm thinking, well, what happens when she changes? She's going to be minus that blood. But did it change to, to Bentor's blood? Ooh, good question. We never saw it, so we don't know. If they cut her open, and she transformed while her guts were open, would it have sealed back up again? 
Good question. I uh, don't know. <laughs> would a I don't want to know, actually. Would, it, would a bullet wound through a shapeshifter, let's say it was a clean, a clean shot, when they shifted back, would it still be there? Because... Well, let's assume that she really was injured. In the swampy creature, shaggy, shanky, swampy, swampy creature. Yeah, let's assume that she really was injured. Okay. Well, then when she changed into mentor, then she was it, it healed her. It does seem to be that way. And did it also reset the transformation clock? Apparently, it does because she can only hold the f- that form for an hour. Now, I think that's well. Personally, I, I've always felt that was rubbish. I actually thought that she could only it, it was is an hour cumulative, and then she had to turn you know return to her regular form. Well, that would but make sense. That yeah, why was I thinking that? Because it makes sense. That's why. Well, and there's the other question: is like, why is it an hour? Yeah, that's a rather fine measurement of time of of Earth time, you know. And it's I don't I don't quite understand what it's for. I guess it's for faux jeopardy. Like, well, Maya's in a cage and she can only hold that form for an hour and then then she's going to transform back and see in that episode dun dun yeah, dun, 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 dun. What of is Luton. a piece of garbage episode? Rules of Luton. Um, Luton. Luton. <laughs> I have more fun with Luton yeah, than, really. uh, than Space Warp. <laughs> Uh, in that episode, it was clear that she could not transform into something else straight from the bird. Because if she could, she could have transformed into something like that, a could, caterpillar. Have gone, that could have gone through the through. cage. Right. And then transformed into something big and scary that could have smashed those other guys. Ah, so you're asking about continuity. Remember, Luton was Fred Freiberger. So this is these are the ones that should have continuity. Should. Yeah, should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she transforms into Mentor, and what if, how about this, how about this? You remember the aliens that had the mark of Arcanon yes. on their forehead? Yes. They can't give blood. Right. What if Maya, having been Shaggy Swamp Mummy, gave blood, and then transformed into one of those guys with the mark of Ar- the Arcanon people? You know, I'd actually considered that very same idea. She would have died, because she probably wouldn't have been able to change back in time. Yeah, this, at which this, point, then at which point, you know, so at, you know, she then she changes back. Says, oh, now I feel great. Dropping the, you know, that that was just a, you know, a, a drop in the bucket. Someday I'm going to get around to watching Deep Space Nine, and and I'm going to have all these questions about Odo. I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, but for now, we have Maya. And yeah, yeah. So she transformed into the space alien. Did she go straight from uh, Mentor to the big poundy alien to get outside? Yes. See, okay, so if if you work on the assumption that her delirium is basically random, then she might have died out on the surface of the moon. But if you work on the assumption, as I did, that there's some some method to that madness, she's thinking about getting outside on the moon, and so she trans her fevered brain transforms her into something that can go out onto the moon. It's not like a conscious design, but it's just so, and a subconscious, a subconscious conscious choice. That's what I, I need could to get sort out of, there. I could sort of accept that. In that case, then you know, if her time runs out, she just transforms into another creature that can survive out on the moon and, and we know have... that there is another one because we'll see it in a later episode so we have to ask the question how does a creature like that survive out on the moon is it is it like a camel well that's what they said that's in what they this said. episode and in the next one where they introduce a different creature that can do the same thing they say they use the exact same um analogy isn't it like like a camel stores water 
that doesn't strke me as a particularly useful adaptation Why for a lifetime. Now, for that's a, life a great form. question. <laughs> what situation would call for a creature to evolve and have that function? A camel makes sense because of the environment that they live in. But you're talking about an alien or some kind of creature, if you want to call it that. You mean what? I mean, oh, when the sun's up, we have atmosphere. When the sun goes down, we have no atmosphere. I mean, what? Okay, the, the, I the, could the, literally see Space 1999 coming up with that stupid idea. Well, yeah. Well, actually, no. I don't, you know what? High tide, low tide. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what causes Yeah, the those. tides, except they represent the, the, the tides. And it's not oceans. It's, it's atmospheric tides. Well, the atmosphere is actually liquid. Therefore, fluid, I should say. Fluid, not liquid. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. But, but, okay, in the case of a camel, though, in the case of a camel, we know that the camel's environment is extremely arid and that that arid environment does yet present them with the opportunity for finding water periodically, but they need to go quite a long time. Yeah. Right. How long could this creature have gone out on the surface of the moon if, if we didn't have Maya's artificial one-hour transform limit? Is it, you know, it doesn't look big enough that it could have been compressing a month's worth of air. Because if you if you did something like that, then maybe I could see it. A creature that could survive ugh, still would be a hard time to envision how that such an atmosphere could exist, though. Well, I have a problem with just the whole creature evolving. Like, yeah, same thing you're saying. You know, what kind of situation are we talking about? What kind of environment that would evolve uh, some kind of animal creature thing to, to have that function? Okay, I can see half of it. What if... You existed on a planet that had something like water, and a creature evolved to hold air so that it could go under the water. Crazy idea. <laughs> but Oh, but, like a dolphin? Yeah. So, okay, so you have a creature that does, that can do that. Or, or, you know, let's try something a little more exotic. Let's say you have a planet where there are caves, uh, and in those caves is both a high food protein source, let's use protein, high energy food source, and the atmosphere is lethal to things other than that, you know, whatever the protein source is, it's evolved to live in that kind of lethal gas. So uh, creatures that lived on the outside of the caves that developed the ability to go further and further into the caves to get the, the food would eventually potentially develop a way to store oxygen. So maybe this creature isn't meant to survive in the vacuum of space. Maybe it's meant to store air to survive in some other environment. And they just forgot that the vacuum of space would bow and pop it like a tick, but mm. wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be evolved to do that. Okay, yeah, that's a hell of a stretch. Try to come it's up with a huge reach. It's a huge stretch. But I mean, I could see, I could see a creature evolving the ability to store air. I could see the, the scenario you just described. Yes, I could see that happening uh, with the situation that Maya is dealing with. Um, it feels like too much of a reach. Yes, yes, because Maya's powers seem to be a little bit um, inconsistent and illogical. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, how about that? I think we'll go with that one on that. Um, we had uh, some... Uh, so we had the scene where Helena wants to cut into the alien because they don't know anything about it. Her assistant doctor is rightly pointing out to her... We, you don't this know could any, be a natural function. We, we don't know anything about this creature. I don't think you should go cutting into it. We have to go cutting into her because she might die. 
but she's gonna change back in five minutes. Well, she might, might not have five long. minutes. That is so Dr. Russell. <laughs> I was going to say, it's so Helena. It's so Dr. Russell. I mean, between her, she is the worst doctor ever, mm-hmm. and Koenig is the worst commander ever. That's they why they're so team. perfect. <laughs> they are a team. Totally. I cannot imagine under what circumstances Helena would think, would have the hubris to think that she could do anything other than kill that creature by attempting to cut it open and work on it. I... I it just, it boggles my mind that, that they would even try to write that. It's like, well, you just don't have any choice. I'm just going to have to cut it open. I mean, I suppose it would have been okay if they had to cut open uh, Mentor, because that'd be the same as Maya, and Dr. Hustle knows all about Maya's guts, Ugh. too, right? Uh, well, maybe by now, off screen, she's learned something about uh, Sikosian physio- physio- physiology, but... Uh, in, not in this particular case. Oh, so so you, you think that Dr. Russell might have learned enough studying the one living psychon that they have to potentially perform surgery, but, and I come back to my central premise, she couldn't cure a fever. Oh, hell no. In that same patient. I'm just thinking, might be a bridge too far. Surgery might be a bridge too far. I'm thinking hey, she'd be better off. Just anything, not. anything from that expressionless face of a person um, is a bridge too far. Mm. So then later in the episode, when they're on the planet, well, on the planet, they're on the surface of the moon, the planetoid, when they're on the planetoid, um, and they're having a fight, Alan, Helena, no security guards, because that'd be too obvious. Um, And the little go buggy. I appreciated Mm. that. The go buggy out again. Catch up the creature. And they're trying to subdue it without having it transform back into Maya. Because, of course, as soon as she transformed back into Maya, she will instantaneously die. Yeah. uh, Because they didn't bring an emergency oxygen, emergency kit or anything like that. And um, they have a big fight. And let's face it, the whole thing, the chase, the fight, it's all... Filler, filler, filler. Padding. Filler. Padding. The tossing them around and the whole thing. I love the Space 1999 spacesuit design. I, I love them. I think they are possibly the best looking spacesuits in any show ever. Mm-hmm. I do not like the fact that when they tossed Alan, his visor flipped open for a moment, yeah. exposing him to the vacuum of space. Oh. <laughs> Before it, it flopped back in place because it doesn't even have a catch on it. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Darn it. Darn it. It was such a nice design. All they had to do was to have the visor come down. But I think their logic was people are going to be standing and the visor will hold itself down and no one will ever notice that when we fling somebody, the visor actually went flap up and back down again. I don't know. Uh, and then they break it, and then they uh-huh. have to go through. I, this must be Jerry Anderson. This must be Jerry Anderson. They love the space patch kit. Oh, yes. Remember in that UFO, it, they did it too? Had it in UFO. Yep, they just love that. And and it, it kind of it reminds me of a joke. Not a good joke. Um, I can't even remember the whole joke. And I'm so I'm, I'm just going to caution listeners right now. Um, you know, trigger warning. Um, no, <laughs> I might not tell the whole joke. Therefore, you might not get the punchline. But the bottom line was it had to do with the differences between American drivers and British drivers and French drivers. And I cannot remember anything about the French drivers. So I'm pretty sure it was derogatory, though. So we'll just leave that <laughs> out. Okay. And uh, and I barely remember what the American drivers would do. I think the American drivers 
if they had a flat tire in a car, they would call AAA or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, or they would have, you know, a full floor stand jack in the back with complete new tires, lug nuts and, the, and a power wrench. Right. And they would, you know, change out the tire. That was the that was the American thing. But the British, what would the British do in that case? The British would break out the intertube repair kit <laughs> and they would patch it up and they would patch it up. You know, and there, there is something sort of post-war 1950s kind of quaintness mm-hmm. that, that you, you can kind of, again, through the stereotype media that we get, you can kind of see that that would be the, the sort of stiff upper lip sort of uh, carry on and, you know, make do and carry on kind of uh, mentality that the British would have. And they'd get out the tire pump and they'd you know, get the little scrape kit out and scrape up the rubber a little bit and then put the patch on there and the two-part adhesive and that thing on there and the inner two back in and patch it all up pump the thing up by hand and get on the road and and head on their way and i think of that joke or at least that part of the joke because obviously i don't remember the rest of the jokes right (laughs) every time i see that in a in a british show particularly a jerry anderson show where they have to repair their spacesuit i mean it makes it it makes sense and i'm sure that that's other science fiction uses it in fact i'm i'm sure that they use it on the expanse um in in the books and, and and other places where they've got these you know, you've got a patch kit and you just, uh-huh. it's what you have to do. My helmet's busted, slap some goo over the top of it because otherwise you're going to die. <laughs> so it makes sense. But still, it just feels very much like Jerry Anderson latched onto that idea and said, I want this on all my shows. <laughs> and the little, the little extra tubes of air that I carry in the spare thing to fill up the, the emergency air uh, tubes, all of that perfectly sound and at the same time, quaintly British. <laughs> Well, I, I should point out that uh, at some point in the 80s, they uh, you could buy uh, a Sela kit if you went to like an AutoZone. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it only worked as, you know, if it was just like a minor a minor flat, you know, like maybe just like a nail or, you know, or something that, that, that yeah. caused it to go flat. You just, and it, it would uh, put out this sort of like a Goop. fluid. Yeah. But you could you could uh, temporarily patch up your your tire if it was if it was just a minor flat you could you could uh, patch up your tire and reinflate it at the same time by using y- that. Yes, I have I have used those. Um, they they spray a viscous goo into the tire and uh, use them more often on bike tires now because mm. you can you can carry a small one with you right and psh, pow and, and get of course it ruins the tire. But that, well, in, I think the, the idea run, is that you're going to be getting a new tire after that. Yeah, yeah, you pretty much it's it's get you off the road, but it, it, it ruins the tire. But you know, it does it by inflating the stuff. It's almost it's not quite like the stuff you fill um, uh, cracks with. I don't know if you've seen that that foam that you fill in, kind of like on Blake Seven when the ship was hulled and it filled up with foam. And, oh, and, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you've got that for like filling holes in walls and things like that. It's it's not quite like that, but it's it is a gooey, fluffy, sticky mess, and. Uh, that would be hilarious in a spacesuit. Mm. Oh, got a hole. Hold on. <laughs> Let me put the fix a flat in it. And then choke and kill the occupant with all the good. Uh-huh. So that one might not work, but yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, have we drifted far enough off topic on this one? I think we saved the episode <laughs> by doing so. <laughs> it's possible. Have I got anything else back on there? I uh, I did mention the montage and, you know, when they're going through the space warp. Oh, yeah. And... I intensely disliked that. I couldn't... 
So what was the purpose of all that? It's clearly there to allow them to kill some time. They didn't have to do that. Well, is, what is it supposed to be? Is That's it, what are I'm Tony wondering. and Koenig supposed to be having these flashes of their life going before them when in fact they're seeing stuff that's happening on Alpha that, that they know nothing about? I have no idea. I, I, I really didn't understand what the filmmaker had in mind there when I don't we were either. watching those scenes. Other than, well, they got to go through the space warp. What do we do? Uh, we need well, we to... We don't want to show the same thing that 45 Alpha went seconds, through. we got to kill. What are we going to do? <clears throat> okay, let's talk about Alpha going through the space warp. Um, Spinning the camera around oh, and around yeah. on its axis. Is that yeah. supposed to be what's happening to Alpha? Uh, that's a great question. Um, You kind of get... No. I mean, if, obviously no. if it was, they'd be flung to the ceiling and, Precisely. and all that stuff, and, they, and that doesn't happen. <clears throat> but they are obviously being sloshed. I, I thought that was, I, I don't like that. I never like that effect. I mean, I know they're trying to convey something different and weird and space. Well, they're, but... they're, they're trying to convey something that's really, you know, it's chaos. It's mayhem. But spinning it around, it's like, okay, are you trying to tell us that that's what they're really experiencing in the space warp? Um, if it were, I think the, the, the moon base would tear itself apart. Well, the power would certainly be down in most of Alpha for the rest of the episode. <laughs> that's for darn sure. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh, this cheap budget on the space helmet for the, um, the alien on the derelict ship. How was that? That was a beaut. That bit of makeup oh. that they did for just, just put this helmet on him. We made it from an old Ikea lamp. Pretty sure it's an old Ikea lamp. Um, if they had Ikeas back then, they must have had Ikea back then. Oh, I'm, I'm sure Ikea must have existed in Europe. At least in Europe, yeah. Not yeah. here. But no. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm looking at my notes. Damaged. Hella needs to operate on the unknown creature, which apparently doesn't have tiger kidneys. Because I can never let go of the tiger kidneys. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I just have so much fun when I'm writing up my own notes. It's just, I can uh, tell. I got nothing else. I, get, I don't have anything. I got nothing else. I got nothing. This was, I hope it was worth the wait, listeners. I know that we accidentally ran a matter of balance before Space Warp, and that's just this, that, and the other things happened and, and stuff and, and, and that. So you had, you had to wait another three weeks for Space Warp, but I Here it hope is. It was, I hope it was worth it, and, and, I, and I hope you weren't disappointed too much when a matter of balance popped up, because you got to hear the tale of Sherman. Anyhow, and the man in a nappy. All right. Uh-huh. Ben, thank you for joining me for Space Warp. It's always dark on the moon. It's always dark on the moon. It's always nighttime. And listeners, I hope you don't always find it dark on the moon and that you will uh, join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Mentor! Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.